Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the virtual CISO moment. I'm here with Clark Cummings, who's an enterprise risk management expert. Clark, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, happy to be here, Greg. I appreciate the opportunity. So um, I know I've known you for quite some time, but we'd love to hear a little bit about your background. And and before starting, I I, I, I wanted to emphasize to the folks here is that I'm really excited about this episode because because this is going to to dovetail a little bit InfoSec and enterprise risk management, which of course we always talk about InfoSec being um, really a risk management issue, uh, more so a business and less a techie. So uh, yeah, tell a little bit about yourself. Sure, Greg. Um, so my career started off uh, really at the, at the entry level, about as entry level as you can get. I was a plain closed armed security guard for a bank when I first started. And so I worked for that bank about 12 years, uh, had positions of increasing responsibility, ultimately had responsibility for building out the entire physical security program for that organization. It grew to be about 350 bank branches and a little over 650 ATMs. And so that's where things started. Um, I also attended Air Force basic training and technical school. Uh, I was in the security police field and did six years in the National Guard. I've been a certified protection professional, which is more of a security generalist, a, a risk management type of function since the late 1990s. I've also done several years of independent consulting. I've worked in a variety of industries during that time. Uh, and at this point, I've also done another almost 20 years at a really large and growing bank. And that has been primarily in um, establishment of enterprise risk management as a, as a uh, uh, as a risk management function within the organization. Awesome. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, I'm I'm also prior Air Force. I was one of those who worked on the planes, and I know that uh, the uh, on the flight line there was always like this big sign here that says, you know, um, something like uh, uh, "Deadly Force is authorized" <laughs> yes, if you're not supposed yes. to be there. So I was always always very very cognizant to make sure I had my tag there because because you would be one of the ones that would come out and slam me to the ground and all that right that's exactly right <laughs> we did that but I assure you I never used deadly force <laughs> very good <laughs> so um what what would you say I know you varied um background and a lot of it in financial services just a uh what what would you say were some of the largest um threats infosec risk management in general to small and mid-sized businesses, and maybe banks in particular, which uh, maybe they kind of dovetail together as well. Yeah, Greg, I would say that uh, there's a lot of commonality in the kinds of risks that organizations face. And yeah, there's a big difference in the amount of resource that an organization can bring to bear depending on the size they are. But candidly, uh, we're all fighting the same fights in a lot of ways. And so one of the things I talk about pretty frequently is something that I call, uh, and I've coined this phrase and probably wasn't the first one to say it, but I call it a risk collision. And risk, that's risk collision. I love exactly. it. It's like, yeah. I almost like can see like the beginning of Rocky four with the two gloves coming together. <laughs> Bam. That's right. <laughs> that's the way this thing starts. And a lot of times, uh, unfortunately, that's the way uh, a major risk uh, event comes together and, and uh, feels like it falls apart. And so we can take an example there, and I believe probably from uh, folks who've listened to this podcast before, they're pretty aware of some of the risks that are out there in the environment. So there's malicious software, and one of those uh, elements is called ransomware. And with ransomware, we find that uh, bad guys get inside the organization. They essentially lock everything down. 
So the organization uh, comes to a screeching halt. They have no ability to access their data, to use their systems, and that's a really big problem. And so what these guys are looking for is money, and typically in the form of Bitcoin. And so what we have, first off, in that situation, and it could happen to any organization, is that A, you have a ransomware problem, and so you're locked down. B, you have a fraud problem because these individuals want typically quite a bit of money from you in order to give you the keys to unlock your own kingdom. And what we find a lot of times is that, is that they've already looked around inside uh, the organization. And in some cases, they've even identified insurance documents and they understand if you have cyber coverage, how much coverage you have and how likely they are actually to get paid based on uh, the insurance coverage. The other thing that you have, unfortunately, at the moment when this happens is a business continuity or business resilience event. You don't have the ability for uh, support of your customers, your suppliers have concerns, and your employees don't really necessarily have the ability to work. And so you've got a serious situation. Unfortunately, too, that also uh, reveals that you've got a pretty serious condition with respect to your reputation. You know, for all of us individually and as businesses, the reputation is really everything. Um, and so what we find is that folks are trying to survive financially. They've got issues with their bank a lot of times because um, many of these incidents can go on for days and days. And in, at times, candidly, it can go on for weeks, depending on how it's handled and how severe it is and which one of the ransomware gangs are actually attacking your organization. And so you may find that you've got issues with your bank, your suppliers, your customers, and your employees. So it's super important to understand that risk management is something that we do proactively in order to avoid that first thing. If we didn't have that malware issue to begin with, then we wouldn't have all these other issues. Um, and so, yeah, that's a complex thing. It doesn't happen every day to every organization, but it is absolutely a risk that every organization faces these days. Well, those are really good points there. And, and one that I picked up on, and we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode as well, too, uh, is around cyber insurance. And, and, and a lot of times we talk about what kind of coverage that you need. And I've counseled, uh, counseled several organizations doing some quantitative risk analysis to try to get an idea of cost exposure. But you brought up a, big, a really good point that I don't think many people think about. And that is when a bad actor infiltrates an infrastructure, they very much likely could know what your coverage is, and then they adjust their their rates, if you will, accordingly. Right. I mean, I think that's a wonderful uh, way to conduct business is like try to understand well, what's the budget first. I know there's so many times in my in my career when I've dealt with vendors, and one of the first things they'd ask is like, well, what's your budget? And I'm thinking, no, no, we're doing this the wrong way. Right. But But that's an excellent, that's an excellent point, as well as all of the other risks associated with um, with ransomware, in particularly in areas like business continuity and fraud, um, have you seen any instances where, like, like, do you have an example of of an instance where? Well, I'll give you one first, and then see if you have one because one that I just spoke about on today's uh, Quick Strike or wrap up episode was that there was a college in, in, in Illinois that recently just shut down complete operations like they're done. They're out of business because of ransomware. Lincoln, Lincoln College, I believe. Um, have you seen any of that uh, firsthand? 
Yeah, so I've seen a little bit of that. Most of what I've seen um, has been uh, through the positive side of that, which is tabletop exercises that really take you through that process. And also those things that show up in the news. I'm not so much a guy who is a, a forensic responder and goes in and looks at these things after the fact. Um, I, like you, am more interested in the proactive side and making sure that the small and mid-sized business is not a victim of this to begin with. And that's really what enterprise risk management is all about, is being proactive in your risk management processes and also understanding, by the way, that there is no way on earth that you should ever try to or believe you can uh, stamp out all risk. Enterprise risk management is about finding a true balance between what the organization needs to accomplish and the amount of risk that it's willing to take on. And so it's super important for the listeners to understand that it's not all about just trying to get rid of bad things. It's trying to strike that balance and ensure also that you leave enough room in your control environment for good things to continue to happen. I'm fascinated by, by the interconnectivity between cybersecurity and enterprise risk management. And I know um, having spent some time in banking myself, that was actually a point in my career where I really be good, began to understand that interrelationship. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't remember, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. You might not remember, but if I, I'm going back into the dark reaches of my mind, in financial services, they generally track, I think, eight risks. And I know like there's compliance, liquidity, there's operational where I think InfoSec falls under, but at, and maybe reputational is another one, but mm -hmm. those are the only four off the top of my head that I can rattle off. Um, am I right on the number? And do you know what the other ones are off the top of your head? Yeah, we typically see eight to 10 in financial services. It depends on really how the organization wants to uh, measure their risk and what they think is most important. And I won't get these all off the top of my head because you've taken me back a little ways too. But it starts off. <laughs> I'm sorry. With, no, that's okay. It starts off uh, with what we've just been talking about, Greg, and that is reputation. So reputation mm -hmm. is always number one in my mind. Without your reputation, you got nothing else, right? Because if people don't trust you, then you're not going to be in business very long. So you begin with reputation. And then from there, you look at strategic risk, your ability to mm -hmm. uh, react to the market, to bring uh, to the market the proper products and services at the right time, at the right cost, and so forth. And then within financial services, we start to go into the more um, financially oriented risks. So there is uh, credit, of course, because in financial services, credit risk is the biggest risk you'll face otherwise, um, because that's really what financial services companies do. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, we go to um, interest rate, liquidity, and price risk. And those are the uh, kind of on the financial side of the ledger. And on the non-financial side, as you indicated, uh, operational risk is a big one. And a lot of times we'll see that organizations will go into operational risk and break that down because it's a large and complex and, and it's a pretty gray area. So it's all about things that, um, that are related to people and processes and systems and external events. So it's not something as, um, as contained as like credit risk. We know what credit risk is. Banks and credit unions have been dealing with credit risk for decades. They understand it. But in operational risk, you break that down a lot of times because there's two really big things that are going on in today's environment. And one is the cyber risk. And we've talked quite a bit about that today. The other one that you often find broken out is third-party risk management. 
mm. because and we look back at a lot of the um, a lot of the uh, penetration and uh, data uh, issues that we've had in the past where folks have gotten in, for example, and stole massive amounts of credit card data or they've gotten in and, and distributed malware and so forth. And a lot of times you see that the path into a large organization is through its service providers. So it's super important to make sure you're paying attention to those service providers as part of your overall cyber and enterprise risk management program. And then of course, yes, compliance risk is a big one as well. And so those are some of the major risk categories that you see in financial services. When you get over to something that's more a smaller mid-sized business, let's say it's retail or it's manufacturing, then they're really going to focus on the big ones. It's going to be strategic, reputational, and then what's going on inside operational risks. They don't have so much those um, credit-related risks that financial services do, but depending on the firm and depending on the actual industry that they're in, there are risk categories that you can go into and break down. It's going to be uh, specific to industry, and then it's always super important to understand exactly how that business runs, what they consider to be risks and what they don't. And a lot of times we'll see that uh, that is also relative to the systems and infrastructure that they have in place. If you got a lot of stuff in-house, you've got one set of risks. If you outsource pretty much everything, you're on the cloud and so forth, then you still have risk, but it's just a different kind. And that outsourcing is something which has recently become a, a boiled up to the top, if you will, uh, CISA this past week had put out a memo notification, what have you, about needing the, the critical need to make sure that you're effectively managing your managed service providers. So, so you often think, so third-party risk, sometimes you think, well, okay, what is, uh, um, well, in banking core, for example, if you outsource your core, um, that's third-party risk right there to an extent. But uh, for managed service providers, a lot of times small businesses don't really they don't really see that as a third-party risk because they're thinking, well, they should be taking care of this stuff and they automatically assume. Right. And apparently it hasn't been the case. And now the bad guys are going after MSPs a lot more than they used to beforehand in the past. So lots of opportunity for risk collision there. I think I'm going to steal that from you. I hope I don't have to <laughs> pay any sort of royalties on that. But um, so there's a, obviously a lot of issues out there, a lot of problems. What What would you think would be some really pragmatic advice for small mid-sized businesses to help mitigate some of these risks. Yeah. So Greg, I would say the first thing a small to mid-sized business wants to do is get a high level risk assessment to understand what your environment looks like from a risk perspective. And we can talk maybe in just a minute about key risk indicators versus key performance indicators. Mm -hmm. Leaders of small and mid-sized businesses, I have no doubt, are paying attention to their KPIs, but we'll talk about KRIs in just a minute. So start with that risk assessment at a high level. Look across your organization at all these risk categories, at the way you do business. It's not really necessary to drill down super deep or even to spend a lot of time and money doing this. You just want to have a high-level view of what's going on inside your organization. So that's step one. Step two, based on that and based on your business philosophy, you want to establish for the organization, what is your appetite for risk? And so, listen, like we said before, it's not practical at all to try and stamp out all risk. That's not what enterprise risk management is all about. The goal here is to strike a balance between the amount of risk that you're willing to take and the amount of reward that you're looking for. 
And so if folks inside your organization don't understand exactly what that balance is, then they're not going to execute against your priorities and your expectations. And so it's entirely possible that folks are taking too much risk in some areas, but also too little. And if they're not taking enough risk, then you may not be getting the return that you're really looking for. And so those are the two places that I would start. From there, you'll start to drill in and understand based on that risk appetite, okay, what do I do next? Well, the next thing you do is communicate to the organization exactly what your appetite is and what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. And yes, it takes some time. By the way, this is a very long process, right? You don't jump in and do this in two months or six months. This can be a years long process. You don't get in a hurry. You wanna make sure you take the time that you do it right. The other thing to understand is that anything in risk management is going to be super dynamic, right? And so everything about the risk environment changes, but also your organization changes throughout time. And so it's super important to make sure that you're taking into consideration what's going on in the outside environment, what's going on inside your company and what your goals are. And so now you've got your risk appetite statement, you've conveyed it to your employees. The next thing you wanna do is actually implement some basic training, some periodic training, not just one time, but make sure you come back periodically and talk to your employees or associates about what that means. Things need to also be in writing, and this doesn't have to be super extensive. You want that risk appetite statement, you want some basic policies and procedures. You don't have to overdo this, but you want folks to be able to always go back and access and remember exactly what your expectations are. And finally, you wanna test against that. And so I'm sure you guys have talked on prior podcasts about all kinds of testing that you can do from an InfoSec perspective, but you can also do tabletop exercises for business continuity and for information security events. As you're going through that, you'll understand and your employees will understand, by the way, what it is to face a risk and how you manage those. And a lot of times we see that folks don't necessarily encounter the risk that they plan for, but when you plan for and you practice responding to risk events, you're going to be a lot better off and able to deal with that ultimate risk event that you'll face at some point with your company. So you uh, you mentioned uh, key risk indicators. I know that that's something that a lot of times organizations, they, they look more about the performance of the company because that's that's where the money comes in, right? Um, but But touch a little bit more on key risk indicators. What are some of the ones that organizations, particularly small and mid-sized businesses, should be thinking about tracking, looking at? Sure. Well, so let's talk about several different categories that we can look at. First off, you know, we always naturally go to information security. And and by the way, uh, from my perspective, as kind of a broad ERM practitioner, I would come back and say, if I had to pick one risk category that's the most disturbing, it is cyber and information security, hands down, every single time in today's environment. I have been referred to as the most disturbing before. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand that. And I may have even oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so yeah, that seriously, that's where I would start. Look at cyber and information security because, like we talked about before, with the risk collision, a lot of times it's going to start right there. Mm-hmm. And so there are all, all kinds of really simple, really basic key risk indicators that you can look at. You can look at the amount of spam that's coming in your organization. You can look at the amount of phishing uh, emails that are getting through. Do you have folks that are clicking on phishing emails? Do you have folks that are giving up credentials? And by the way, um, a lot of times, and I'm sure you've talked about this in the past, there are uh, testing systems that you can use 
to determine how your employees are responding to uh, phishing events. And so I would start right there with everything InfoSec. From there, uh, you can look at uh, business continuity events or business resi resilience events and think about what are some of the key things that we need there. Have we put together a written program? Have we conveyed that to everyone? Have we done a walkthrough to make sure what we're talking about is actually gonna work? And so inside business continuity, there's really a couple of different elements. One is the true business continuity, which is the ability to respond to an event. That's, hey, can we pick up all of our stuff and go work somewhere else? Can we work remotely? And everybody has proven pretty well these days that we can work remotely. There's also the disaster recovery element, right? Mm -hmm. And that's all about the ability to recover systems. Well, business continuity and disaster recovery have to work together. So I would look at when I'm doing my tabletop exercise and I'm putting my program together. And again, this doesn't have to be a big, complex thing. Small and mid-sized businesses have a lot more to worry about than putting together a fancy business continuity program. Get some help from the outside if you need to, but always keep it simple. And so look for some key risk indicators in there as well. The next place I would go is physical security. And this is a lot of times, it's the forgotten risk, right? Um, so many people worry about what's going on in the cyber world and we've got all of our social media going on and we hear about all these, um, all these events in the cyber world and we're worried about um, you know, international conflict causing attacks against the United States and private industry. Guys, don't forget about the physical security aspects. It hasn't been that long ago that, um, that in the United States, we endured a lot of social unrest. We even endured some riots. Um, and I'm sure folks can tell from my accent, I'm in, I am from the South. And so even in good old Nashville, Tennessee, we actually <laughs> saw some riot activity. Yep. And man, that's disturbing. Okay. So pay attention to physical security. Um, the other thing that, uh, that we often see, and, and nobody cares about this, Greg, until it hits the news, and that's concerns about workplace violence. Have a basic workplace violence program. <clears throat> Pardon me, do your training. Have something in writing so associates understand what the expectations are and understand how you're going to respond to a workplace violence incident. The other thing to do inside workplace violence is to make sure you understand the pre-incident indicators before that happens, right? Everybody, everybody knows, right? The media knows when there's a workplace violence incident, boom, it's everywhere. You don't wanna be the company that has that occur. You wanna understand as folks are starting to get a little bit unstable, they're starting to have issues at home, they're starting to have issues at work. You wanna understand what those pre-incident indicators look like and be able to work your way into the process and intervene before something really bad happens for everybody's benefit, including someone who may have some kind of incident. Now, I know I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent here. Those aren't necessarily KRIs, but I'll just tell you, Greg, uh, for me, it always starts with protecting the individual. Mm -hmm. um, my career has always been around, and, and candidly, I was a, I'll just tell you, I was a, a crime victim when I was a young boy, nine years old. And that's probably what really set me on this career path. And so my emphasis is always number one on protecting employees. So let's protect the people first. And I see a lot of times that there's no way really to separate what goes on in the workplace versus what happens in your personal life. Um, and apologies again for going off on this tangent, <laughs> but 
but what we see a lot of times is that the personal life makes its way into the workplace. Yeah. And so you may have an angry spouse uh, who's going to cause a problem for your organization. You don't want that to happen. And so from a workplace violence perspective, pay attention to those kinds of things. I've talked too much. So ask me another question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just about out of time, but yeah, this is a very stressful field infosec. And I imagine expanding it to enterprise risk management can be very stressful as well, too, because these are all these things you have to you have to find a way to turn yourself off from it and get away from it. And so what what's like one thing that you do to take yourself away from the stress of the, of, of the job, the, the duties and risk management, the, all of that. What's one thing that, that, that you like to do? Yeah, well, I tell you, uh, the thing that I enjoy most is doing things physically. So I'll get out and exercise. I'll go uh, work in the yard if it's warm enough, those kinds of things. I find also a lot of times that I'm able to think things through a lot more if I go off and do something physical. And then, of course, I enjoy time with family. And so I think the most important thing you know, Greg, we've talked a lot here today about some pretty serious issues, and these really are, and you really want to get out on the front side of these things and make sure they don't happen. That's what proactive risk management is all about. But the other thing I'd really like to emphasize is have fun with this stuff. And you and I have laughed a couple of times today, and we certainly have in the past. It's important to really engage this stuff and have fun because you, you basically lose your mind if you get too serious about this. Um, and you don't want to have overkill. You don't want to have like, kill the business because you're suffocating with risk management stuff. So have fun, enjoy what you're doing, and just be logical and reasonable about your risk management activities. That's awesome. Some really, really great words of advice, really great information. Clark, I'm so glad that you had a chance to join us today. This has been an excellent conversation. So, um, you know, just one thing that to wrap up on it, I, I, I did want to mention that uh, in one of the projects that we were working together is where I got... I'm trying to give you a little bit of credit here. I got the the, the terminology, the saying, uh, inform, um, everyone is a risk manager. So now I have that. And now I have risk collision as well. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm going to have to really, really start paying you some residuals. So, well, Clark, thank you very much for joining. Appreciate everybody else joining us here and hope you learned a lot about enterprise risk management. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Stay secure. <laughs>